In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Do we have it up here? He said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Let's read the rest of this verse together. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Amen. Turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 7. In between these verses of Acts 3 and Acts 4, this man was healed, divinely healed instantaneously. And there were some people that whose feathers were ruffled and they were upset about this miracle. And so they arrested Peter and John, who had prayed for this man for his miracle. They arrested them, they detained them, they persecuted them, and they questioned them. In verse 7 it says, When they had set them in the midst, they asked them a question. And the question was, By what power or by what name have you done this? How did you do this miracle? By what power or by what name have you done this miracle? And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole? If if you're examining us, about this miracle and how it was performed. I want to tell you how it was performed. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. It's too quiet for me right now. There ought to be a shout, an amen, a hand clap. There ought to be something that comes from your innermost being when we understand the power that's in the name of Jesus. They said, how is he healed? Peter answered their question, but he wasn't done preaching. He goes on in verse 11 and says... This name of Jesus, this is the stone which was set at naught. You threw away this stone of you builders which has become the head of the corner. And I'm not done preaching yet. Because this is how he was healed. But it's not all about healing. Verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is none other name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. There is no other name. There is no other name. There is no other name in this world. Heaven or hell. Whereby we must be saved. I could stop right there, but I like the next two verses. I like the whole chapter, but I'll just read the next two verses. Now when they saw. Now this is the critics of the miracle. When they saw the boldness. They weren't convinced by the miraculous. But when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. See, that's where we're at today. We all think I'm not good enough. 
I'm not good enough to be used in the miraculous. We have our excuses. And the Bible says that they were unlearned and ignorant men. But they marveled. And they took knowledge of them. That they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man, the miracle man, which was healed. Standing with them. They could say nothing against it. Now, I want you to unbuckle your seatbelt and take out your mouthpiece. And I want you to get ready for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost today. Because God is going to present himself mighty and strong in this service today. And if you've come needing anything, I don't care what the need is. Whether it be big or small. Whether ah, If you need a need, if you have a need of healing in your body, deliverance in your soul, the infilling of the Holy Ghost... God will do it today. So if I must give a title for sake of tradition, my title is simple but powerful. My title is in the name of Jesus. I think somebody ought to throw up your hands and speak that title with me. In the name of Jesus. Demons tremble at the sound of that name. Sickness is healed in that name. Marriages are reconciled in that name. We shall have revival in that name. Everybody say it with me. In the name of Jesus. You can be seated for just a little bit. And if you got any more monitor bishop, that'd help me out. I feel like the Lord's given me a, a little mandate to let his people know that before we get into the power of his name, we've got to dig into the purpose of his name for just a moment. Are you with me? Amen. I'm not, I'm not going to let you be quiet today. Before we experience the power of his name, we must first trust the purpose of his name. Might have to say that four or five more times until you really get it. Before we experience, everybody say the power Say of his name, say, I must trust the purpose of his name. Yeah, if you don't hear anything else I say today, you just put that in your pipe and smoke on that for just a little bit and realize that it's good to experience the power, but it's not better than trusting the purpose. Because I believe there's more people that go to hell who have experienced the power of his name. Jesus said, people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we heal in your name, pray in your name, preach in your name, believe in your name, cast out devils in your name. Hey, yeah, yeah, you did that. You experienced the power of my name, but you did not trust the purpose of my name. Therefore, I never knew you. We must trust the purpose of his name. The reason why we must trust the purpose of his name is because there are moments that we will not exhibit nor experience the power of his name. 
And in those moments, we must trust the purpose of his name. King David, whom the Bible regards as the man who is after God's heart. The man who is after, that really means the man that touched God's heart. This King David, this one that I kind of get jealous about, if I'm going to be honest. I'm not jealous about his position of king. I'm not jealous about the things he got to do, the, the songs he got to write. I'm not jealous about his, the fact that he could play the harp and sing the, sing the song. I'm jealous because... It seemed like God favored him in such a way. I want God to favor me in the same way. He favored that, that young boy, that Jewish boy who was taking care on the backside of this, this desert, taking care of some sheep. And he sent out the prophet to anoint him as king of Israel. I'm jealous of that favor. I want that favor from God. But it was David who wrote the famous Psalm 23 that says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Notice, notice the recognition of responsibility David is writing about. He's saying, I'm not in charge here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me. I'm not in charge. He's in charge. Somebody say, he's in charge. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And he leadeth me on paths of righteousness. Here it is. For the purpose of his name. I might have a big name and people thousands of years later might preach about my name. But it's not about my name. It's all about his name. But did you know that these couple of verses I just quoted to you and read? Those aren't the famous verses. Those aren't the verses that made this psalm so famous. It's the next verse that says... Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, hold on for just a second. I just established and recognized who is the supreme ruler of my life. My God, my Savior, my friend that sticketh closer than a brother. My everlasting Father. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's Prince of Peace. And now he's leading me where? Into the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not going deep for you today. You just got to get this simple truth before we get into the power. We've got to realize that the life we are living is all about the purpose of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm just a chess piece in his game. That if he wants to move me forward and he wants to use me to kill another piece, I like it. But if he wants to move me back or not move me at all or even sacrifice me and move me backward for the glory of his name, I've got to be willing to submit and trust the purpose of his name. Somebody say amen. How many of you trust the purpose of his name? That yea, though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not going to be afraid. You know why? Because this isn't about me. This isn't about just me experiencing his power. This is about me trusting his purpose. I've got to trust his purpose. If he takes my job through the valley, takes my family through the valley, takes my marriage through the valley, if he puts me smack dab in the middle of a shadow of death, I can still look under the hills from whence cometh my help and say this is about the purpose of your name it's not about my name it's not about my pedigree it's not about my popularity it's about the glory oh somebody wave a hand and say god i trust your name i trust your name i trust the purpose come on somebody activate that trust interact with the spirit of god i trust your name i trust the purpose of your name once he could trust the purpose of his name, he could say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, we don't have scripture that says he's come out of the valley yet. So he's still in the valley, still in the shadow of death. And he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But watch what it does next. Because I didn't, oh, I got a word for somebody. I wish you'd hear this preacher speaking the word of God to you today. He said, because I didn't stop trusting the purpose of your name. Because I was able to endure the valley, not escape the valley. Because while I was in the darkness, I still trusted the light. While I was in the valley, I still put my hope in your name. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. That's the second anointing right there. He had already been anointed to be king, but here was his second anointing, which I preached about Friday night. This was his second anointing saying, in the valley, I'm going to get me another anointing. I've already been anointed to be king. I've been anointed to lead the people. I've been anointed with a powerful position to be the ruler of this nation. But there's another anointing I need. It's a valley anointing. It's a shadow anointing. It's a darkness anointing. It's anointing of suffering that when you anoint my head with oil, my cup will run over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I, I wish somebody would stand to your feet right now and say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell. I won't backslide. I won't get bitter. I won't stray. I won't retreat. I'm going to the house of the Lord. I'm going. Going to the house of the Lord. I'm going. Come on, shout it with me. I'm going to the house of the Lord. You can be seated for just a moment. That's why, that's why God, who called Moses to go back to Egypt, God called him by the supernatural burning bush on the backside of the desert and said, go back to the place you've been running from for 40 years. He says, I want you to go back and tell Pharaoh, by the power of my name, I want you to let these people go. Moses goes back and does exactly what God tells him to do. And it backfires in his face. 
If you read Exodus 5, don't put it up there, but Exodus 5 later, verses 22, 23, 24, Moses goes to God and says, what's your problem, God? I did what you told me to do. Watch what he says. You read it later. He says, I spoke to Pharaoh in your name, but he didn't let him go, and you didn't show up to do your part. God responds to him in such an almost contradictory way. God's ways are above our ways. And sometimes when we complain and ask God a question, he gives us an answer that doesn't seem to pertain to our question. He said, God, why, why didn't you do what you said you would do? God responds in Exodus 6 and 2, and he says, I'm the Lord, not you. I'm the Lord. I'm in charge. I might not always meet your expectation." Next verse, he says, oh, and by the way, now that you realize I'm Lord, let me tell you something else. I revealed myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, which is El Shaddai, but I never gave them my name like you have. In other words, is my name not enough for you? Is my name not good enough for you? Or do I have to perform for you according to your expectation? Is I wish I had a witness that said, hey, he might not have healed me yet, but I still have the name. He might not have pulled me out of miry clay yet, but I still got the name. He might not have opened the door yet, but as long as I've got the name, the name that's above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. I'm Somebody shout, I've got the name. But look at this. I'm almost done preaching part one. <laughs> look at this. Then God had the audacity to talk to Pharaoh himself. He didn't need an invitation, a reservation, an appointment. He just stepped into the palace and said, hey, Pharaoh. And God speaks to Pharaoh in Exodus 9. You see it in the New King James Version written like this. God saying to Pharaoh, watch this. Now, if I, God, had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence. That's a fatal epidemic or disease is what that word is defined as. I could have taken my mask off and sneezed on all you guys. I could have killed all of you with an epidemic, with a disease. Now, according to my observation, my expectation, that would have been a pretty good move. Kill my adversary. Then we can go. We've been in jail for 400 years, and it's your desire for us to leave. Snap your finger and kill him, and we'll leave. God said, no, I got a better plan. He said, Pharaoh, I could have killed you with sickness and disease. Watch what he says. But you would have been cut off from the earth. You would have died. I don't want you to die just yet because I got a purpose for my name. He goes on in verse 16. He says, watch this now. But indeed, for this purpose, there it is. The purpose of his name. For this purpose, Pharaoh, have I raised you up. It wasn't because you were born into a powerful, powerful pedigree that you got the throne. I put you there. I raised you. I got you elected. I got you voted in. And the church is over here in prison saying, you promoted him and you demoted us. God said, yeah, I gave him the promotion, but I gave you the promise. 
What do you want? The position or the promise? The promotion or the promised land? He said, Pharaoh, I got a purpose for you, Bubba. I lifted you up. I promoted you. Why? That I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. And we're sitting here saying, God, bring the earth to our church so they can hear your name. Get rid of our adversaries. God, give us a different president. Give us a different government. Give us a different economy. Give us a different. And God said, I'm about to use it to bring glory to my name. You thought you were the only ones who would display my glory. You thought you were the only ones who would be used to bring power to my name. I'm about to use your devil. I'm about to use your problem. I'm about to use your adversary to bring glory. I think somebody ought to lift up your hands and surrender. Lift up your hands and surrender saying, God, I surrender all to the purpose of your name. God, I surrender all to the purpose of your name. Brother Henry, I prophesied to you a little bit ago. I'm going to tell everybody in this place that God has brought you and your family into a valley. But the Lord says, because of this valley, because you will endure this valley, because you will trust my name, I will give you a double portion of anointing, a double portion of abundance to use you to bless my church, to use you to bless my people. The valley's about the purpose of the name. It's not just to play games with you. It's because he's bringing you to a better land. He's bringing you to a land flowing with milk and honey. I've got a purpose. I've got a purpose. How many of you trust the purpose of his name. You got to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who looked at King Nebuchadnezzar and said, we will not bow to you. I'm not afraid of you. Go ahead. Light up the fire. I'm not, I'm not going to bow down to you. Here's why. You throw us in the fire. We got a God who will save us. Their next three words. But if not, we're afraid to say that. We think it exudes doubt and insecurity and fear and unbelief. It doesn't. It exudes a greater level of faith called trust. But if not, I'm still not going to bow. But if he doesn't save us, if he doesn't redeem us, if he doesn't restore us, if he doesn't send the fourth man in the fire, I will not bow to your spirit of fear. When you can trust the power of his name, then God can trust you to experience. Excuse me. When you trust the purpose of his name, then God can now trust you to experience the power of his name. See, what's what's so amazing about God is God knows if I give him what they're asking, they'll forget about me. 
if I don't give them what they're asking for, they, they might turn their back on me. Because I need them to get to a place where they trust my purpose and not theirs. <laughs> I remember I remember being in Virginia years ago and had a 21-day fast with this pastor. We fasted together for 21 days. And, and uh, there were so many amazing things that God was doing in those 21 days of consecration and fasting and prayer. All sorts of uh, just awesome manifestations of God. And at the end of that, we had a revival. And on that Sunday morning, a man came. He was very old, very, very ancient, 55 years old. And he, he came and he sat down about right where you're sitting, Brother Nate. He was getting old, too. He was reaching that 40 stage. And he sat about right here. And I didn't know this man. I'm, I'm you know, a guest myself. I'm an evangelist. And I don't know anybody's business. And, and I'm just preaching. And at the end of it, I was preaching about the Holy Ghost. And at the end of it, he comes, the first one down, comes running down and stands right here. And I went up to him. I said, what do you want from God? He said, I've never felt what I'm feeling. i got to have that Holy Ghost thing you're talking about. I said, you're going to get it. He said, are you sure? I said, yes, I'm sure. He said, God can give a Catholic the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I said, man. I said, the Catholics are the best people to get the Holy Ghost because Catholics make the best Pentecostals. <laughs> I said, you're going to get the Holy Ghost right now. Before we could even walk through repentance or any other steps, just Boom, he started speaking in tongues. Uh, we baptized him in Jesus' name. He comes out of the water speaking in tongues again. I leave, and about five or six weeks later, the pastor calls me with the details of this man's story. He said, I, this pastor, he says, I had never met this man before. He said, that was his first service in our church. He had been in the checkout line at the grocery store when a lady from our church began to witness to him, and he began to tell her about, you know, being Catholic, raised Catholic, and all those good things, and and. He said, but, you know, I've been given about six to eight weeks to live. I've got stage four liver and colon cancer. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure everything's right in my life, you know, before, before God takes me, you know. And she said, well, you need to come to my revival. We're a Pentecostal church. We believe that God can touch you and heal you. He can fill you with the Holy Ghost. And on she went. And he said, well, I, I got Catholic church. I got mass. He, she said, you got 8 a.m. mass? She, he said, yeah. He said, she said, go to your 8 a.m. mass, then come to our 11 o'clock service. <laughs> so he went to his 8 o'clock mass and came to our, 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 our 11 o'clock Pentecost Sunday, you know. And he comes and gets the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And he goes back to his oncologist a few weeks later for another update, and they realize there's some variances in his pro progression and things, and they were noticing things are different. Uh, his vitals were different. And so they did a scan, and they said, there's not one trace of cancer in your body. After that day, he had been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. After that day, he had been blood washed by the only saving name of Jesus Christ. He didn't just forgive his sins. He didn't just save his soul. He cleansed him of every sickness and disease. I'm here to let you know there's power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus that you can have today, that you can receive today. But I tell you that story to tell you this story. There was another man outside of Houston in the Conroe area, the suburb of Houston. And I was preaching for a pastor there and, uh, uh, about uh, a week's, six weeks of revival. And, and he tells me, he says, there's a man that's never come to our church, but his son comes to our church. And he's on his deathbed in hospice, and I want you to go pray him through to the Holy Ghost. He tells me, he said, he, we, we actually got to baptize him a couple weeks ago. He's only got a few days left to live. And 
He's got stage four liver and colon and other types of cancer in his body that had ravaged his body, eaten his abdomen on the insides, and taken nearly most of his eyesight. He couldn't hardly speak or hear. And, and so I go to this man's bedside. His name was Pierre, and I'm sitting by his bedside. They were able to provide hospice care at this man's son's house. So he was staying at his son's house on his deathbed. And I walked into that room. I'll never forget. I got a picture of it. And I'll never forget I, I going into his room. And I said, Pierre, I got a question for you. You know, how old are you? He said, I'm 77 or 78 years old. I said, what in God's name convinced you at 78 years old? You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Because what I've heard is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. What convinced you at 78 years old? He said, well, I was born into, he also was a Catholic man. He said, I was born into a Catholic church. He said, my mom took me down to the church one day when I was eight or nine years old. And he said, the priest there sprinkled me in the titles of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he said, that priest told me, he said, you're saved. You'll never not be saved. Once saved, always saved. And he thought, well, praise God, I never have to go to church again. <laughs> he said, this is better than I thought. I should have done this sooner. I don't have to go to boring church anymore. <laughs> and so he was saved. You know, I, if I can't do anything to unsave me, I, I just go live how I want. He said, I joined the Navy. I committed every sin in the book, but murder, his exact words, he said, I then wrote my own book on sin. He said, that's what we do on, on those, those Navy ships. We just, we do every sin we can imagine. And he said, I live my life for myself and for this world and for my lust and my addictions and things. And he said, I get this cancer and they move me into my son's house. And he comes walking in with a Bible one day, a couple of weeks ago and says, dad, let me talk to you about baptism. He says, I, I don't need to hear about baptism. <laughs> he said, I was baptized at eight years old, you know, 70 years before this. And he says, well, let's, t let's just talk about it. He starts going through the scriptures of how baptism was not through sprinkling. Baptism means to be fully immersed. Baptism is to be immersed and to be buried into water, into his name. And that there's no, not one occurrence in the Bible where anyone baptized another person and said the titles... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But when they baptize, they use the power and authority of the name. I now baptize you in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, Pierre said, uh-oh, I don't think I've been baptized the right way. Can I be rebaptized?" They got a release from the hospice for a couple of hours where they took him to the church with all these wires and cords and oxygen stuff hooked up. And they baptized him in the only saving name of Jesus. And now here he is. He's not been filled with the Holy Ghost yet with the evidence of speaking another tongues and here I am sitting there giving him a Bible study about the Holy Ghost and he's getting excited you know I can see it on his face and I said Pierre are you ready he said no I'm not ready I, I can't receive the Holy Ghost remember the sins I told you I committed there's no way so I began to teach him a Bible study about grace about the love of God how it was Jesus who said I've come seeking to save those who are lost it was it was Peter who said this promise of the Holy Ghost is for you and to them who are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call I began to teach him about the grace of God that it's in your weakness that he's made strong and I'll never forget tears begin to stream down his face and I look at him and I said Pierre are you ready now he just said I'm ready now 
I walked up to his bedside. I laid my hand on his head. I'm not going to lie to you. It probably took about 10, 15 minutes to really break through and break through and dig and dig and dig. But after about 10 or 15 minutes, in a whisper, he couldn't shout. But in a whisper, I leaned down real close like this, and I can hear him speaking sounds that was not English. And he started shaking like this in the, in the, on his deathbed, shaking like this. And now me, I'm supposed to be full of faith. But here, I've got my hand on this man, and in my observation, I think, dear God, here he goes. He's dying. He's having a heart attack. This is it. And they're going to come walking in and, and because they got the vital signs going on out there. And they're going to see my hand on this man as he's going out. And so I stop. This is what I did. I, God's honest truth. I said, Pierre, are you okay? He opened his left eye like this. He said, buddy, I'm great. Keep praying for me. And he goes back to shaking and speaking in tongues. And when he finished, I said, what happened, Pierre? He said, I don't know. He said, all of a sudden, I felt like I was lost in the presence of God. See, if you ever feel lost, that's the place you want to be lost in the presence of God. He said, I can't explain it. He said, but when I was lost in his presence, he said, something began to move over me and move inside of me. His exact words, he said, I began to speak words that were not in my vocabulary. What was that? I said, that was the evidence of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. You've been born again of the water and spirit. I said, Pierre, you're ready. 48 hours later, two days later, he breathed his last breath. God did not heal that cancer in his life. Now, imagine this with me for a moment. You see, if, 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 if I were God, if I were God, and you've cursed me your whole life, and now... With the last 48 hours, you come knocking on my door and say, any love left for me? I would say, you've got to be kidding me. 78 years of cursing me, and you show up at the end to say, is there any room left for me? Have you saved my room in your house? I'd say, depart from me. I don't know you. Pierre could not say, God, I'll give you the next 50 years. But he could say, God, I'll give you what I have left. I'll give you what I have left. And you know what God said? 48 hours is enough for me, buddy. Two days is enough for me. That's all I need. I don't need 50 years for you to convince me. What you have left is enough for my love. I love you. Even while you were a sinner. Here's my mercy. Here's my grace. Quit promising God, God, I'll give you the next 40 years and start saying, God, I'll give you whatever I've got left. I'll give you whatever I've got left. If it's four minutes, four hours, or 40 years, I'll give you everything. Shut Now, here's where we got to get to right now. You can remain standing if you want to. Here's where we got to get. Who in those two stories received the better miracle? The man who was saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized, and healed? Or the man, Pierre, who was filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, 
wasn't healed in this life, but was opened a door into eternity. Because according to my biblical knowledge, Pierre went from this life where cancer had a grip on him. And the next step he took, cancer jumped out and said, I can't go there. I can't go there. I can't go there. And now Pierre's living in the presence of the almighty God, waiting for the sound of that trumpet. There is no cancer. There is no sickness. He's got a new body. He's got a new mind. He's not there being eaten up with sickness and disease and pain. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to that day when God calls me home. I'm not going to negotiate with God and say, I'll serve you if you heal me. I'll serve serve you if you restore. I'll say, God, I'll serve you even if you kill me. Because though I live, it's Christ. But if I die, it's my gain. You can remain standing, but I felt as I was praying over here that the Lord wanted to minister healing to to back pain in this service. And I immediately thought of just recently, I was at a church service. In fact, it was a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday revival. And that Tuesday night was as dead as a cemetery. It was a boring church service. The musicians were up there tired from work. And and I'm over there. I've been praying and fasting. I'm ready to jump on that pulpit and start shouting. People are just going through the motions. I'm thinking, man, it's going to be a tough crowd tonight. And as I'm walking, they introduce me. I'm walking up to the platform. The Lord speaks to me and says, don't preach. Give an altar call for healing. My brain says, you've got to be kidding me. There's not any opportunity of healing in this room. They're all asleep. They've not jumped out and gone crazy like a wild Comanche running around the aisles. By the way, I'm Choctaw, okay. So I, and they're, they're not running around the aisles and they're not going crazy. And they're not shouting and dancing and crying. That's the only time there can be miracles. They're dead, silent, fingers at their nose. What? Did, and God says, I choose to heal tonight. So I walk up there and I said, uh, there will be no preaching today. But there will be an outpouring of healing. And if you need it, I want you to come right now. One lady comes walking up like this. Two people holding her arms in Barberton, Ohio. They're walking her up to the pulpit or to the altar. And she's walking up like this. She can't hardly walk. She gets up there. And then once she came, it broke the ice. All these other people started coming. And boom, the Holy Ghost began to move and pour out. And, and I didn't know what was going on over here. But all of a sudden, there's just a shout. I mean, a crazy rejoicing of praise. And this lady's laid back now on her back, speaking in tongues. And they stand her up. And she's walking around fine. And, and so she comes up to me, her and Pastor um, Hamer. They come up to me and they, they start telling me her story. They said that. She's got herniated discs causing all sorts of muscle spasms, and it's messing up her vertebrae. I mean, it's as bad as her back could be. She was completely bedridden, laying on her back. She desperately needed surgery, but she was having the first stages of dementia in her brain. And the doctor said, we can do the surgery, but the surgery will will, uh, sort of propel the stages and the symptoms of your dementia. So we can fix your back, but it might take away your mind. So she laid bedridden on her back, not knowing what to do. Do I stay here bedridden and let my mind, you know, remain what I've got left of my mind? Prolong my, my thinking? And 
she called her pastor to come over to her house. It was the, the early, earlier that, that before that week. And her pastor, Brother Pamer, his exact words, he said, look, I'm not smart enough to tell you what to do. I don't know what to do except for this. Get to this revival. And at some moment in this revival, God is going to heal you. She's the one who is standing up at that altar when all of a sudden the power of God hit her so strong. She falls back onto her back that had herniated disc, messed up vertebrae and everything else, completely healed. They stood her up and when she was stood up, she was standing straight up and she began to run in a circle saying, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I, I, I don't mind if I'm stretching your time a little too much because I had something just like that happen in North Carolina. At the end of the service, I was, I was done and I was walking off the platform when an elderly lady and her husband comes walking up to me and she was about, she looked like she was four foot tall, but she was hunched over like this and she comes walking up to the altar saying, Brother Green, Brother Green. She gets my attention and I walk over to her and say, yes, ma'am, what is it? Her big burly husband is probably six foot six, uh, I don't know, 350 pounds. He's walking next to her kind of holding her up and she says can you pray for us I said yes ma'am what do you need and he talks he says well she's got messed up vertebrae and muscle spasms same thing as this other lady she's got all sorts of herniated disc in her back I said well what do you need sir he said I don't need nothing you need to pray for her and this lady hunched over like this she said he needs the Holy Ghost they're like you know 78 years old or something like that he needs the Holy Ghost and he, you just see his eyes just roll back in his head oh God I told this big man, I had to get a chair so I could lay my hand on his head. He's so tall. And I said, sir, I'm not going to pray for your wife. So you're going to pray for her. After I pray for you and you get the Holy Ghost. I said, I'm going to pray for you. You're going to get the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And when you do, you will lay your hands on her and she will be instantaneously healed. He's like, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I, we began to worship and all of a sudden tears began to stream. And I knew, okay, he's ready. I laid my hand on his head and say, receive you the gift of the Holy Ghost. He began speaking in tongues and I let him just enjoy it for a little while. Get a little drunk on the Holy Ghost. And then at the right time, I said, okay, sir, lay your hands on your wife he just went like this as soon as his hand touched her back she stood straight up just like that I'm telling you she was near 80 years old and she started running around the sanctuary saying I'm healed I'm healed I'm healed I'm healed I'm healed an 80 year old lady running healed by the name of Jesus I'm telling you right now there's about to be a release of the power of the name of Jesus who's it looking for his power's looking for somebody. His name is looking for somebody. It might as well be you. It might as well be you. Why don't you step out? Step out and say, God, it's me. It's me you're looking for. It's me you want to heal. It's me you want to deliver. It's me.